Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. I am back again with you guys today. I hope you guys are doing well out there. I hope you're staying cool right now. It feels like it's 475 degrees in um, where I live at my house. Um, And I hope you guys are staying cool. The summer is upon us here in Dallas, Texas. And I just want to say we're going to be with you through the summer. I want you guys, I know y'all are going to go on vacation. I feel like because of Corona, we're all like, let's get out. Um, You know, at least my friends are, of course, social distancing and being respectful. But I know a lot of people that are going camping, which I'm not a camper at all under any circumstances. What my husband has tried to get me to go for 16 years. And he just recently told me he was going to book something and just put me in the car and made me go (laughs) because he said, I'll like it. But I know a lot of friends that are camping this summer and while you are camping or on your road trips, download the podcast, listen, we've got new shows every single week. Um, I want to get to my guest today because he's fascinating. I, I am fascinated with, um, I'm just fascinated, first of all, with history and with just different ways of life that I don't live. And um, we we have today, he's New York Times best-selling author. You probably have heard of his her- first book, Growing Up Amish. We're going to talk to him a little bit about that book today. But he has written a new book, which is kind of a follow-up to Growing Up Amish. And it is called Broken Roads. I want to go ahead and welcome him to the show, and we're just going to um, learn today. We're going to learn maybe about a different way of life that we don't live. Welcome to the show, Ira Wagler. How are you? Hey, Autumn. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I am fascinated by the Amish community. I um, I, I have a lot of respect um, for the Amish community. I think it's fascinating um, there is there is clearly um, an order, a way of living in the Amish community. There's a respect for natural things. I know that I go, I'll go to events and um, uh, even like I don't know places in the community, and I'll see an Amish uh, family or or someone set up like a, a booth where they're selling their baked goods. I always wait in the line, always, for the baked goods. And then we try to buy as much as we can. And I think, I feel like everyone waits in the line for the Amish baked goods because you cannot beat them. They are phenomenal. There's such a respect for purity and um, in, in the Amish culture, uh, which, which I love, but I can't really relate to because, you know, we cheese whiz in our house. So there's a lot different. There's a lot big difference. You grew up Amish. Tell me about what it was like growing up in the Amish community. Okay, uh, that's that. You know, <laughs> I don't. I barely know where to start, except you know, the Amish are very fascinating, like you said, and uh, 
And in, and when you go to these uh, events and they have a, a, a booth there and they're selling baked goods, you know, uh, that's all part of being in the market. You know, they're very much into that. They they will sell, you know, their vegetables, their baked goods, uh, their farmers, uh, craftsmen, tradesmen, all those all those uh, blue collar things. That's what they work. And um, as far as you know, the Amish culture, it's absolutely unique in all the world. And that's how I was raised. And the, I've always said that the Amish, there's three basic uh, uh, three basic um, rules or or um, uh, oh, I don't know what the word is, but three basic things that that they adhere to, and one of them is the, probably the most important is they have no car. You know, you drive a horse and buggy, and that's <laughs> very ubiquitous to the culture. And then the other thing is they have no phone in the house. Now we can talk about that a little bit later. And then uh, the third thing is no electricity. You know, so those three things, and you drive a horse and buggy down the road. Uh, that's how I was raised on the farm. Uh, this was in southern Ontario. That story is all in the first book, Growing Up Amish, and the- uh, can, I, the can I just pause for you for a second? Yep. What is the thought process behind the no car, no phone, and no electricity? Can you just kind of expound our, uh, just just teach us, you know, why, yeah. why, do, why, why is that the way of life? Well, it probably wasn't planned, but, uh, you know, 100 years ago when the automobile was just coming into the market and, you know, the, the average uh, farmer, blue-collar guy could actually buy one probably around 100 years ago. At that point, the Amish culture, and it, it, it really wasn't planned, really. It just, they decided, uh, you know, back in the early 1900s, 1920, that they are not going to have a car. You know, they're just going to stay with the horse and buggy which back then was not that big a deal because many people had horses and buggies because the car wasn't there yet. Yeah. It's only as society progressed and developed that, the, you know, everybody has a car except these people, you know, they have always rejected them. And that's, and from that distinction, then the whole culture just kind of grew out of that. And uh, it's not necessarily that they don't believe in, in some, some sort of technology, Autumn, but it's just that, as a culture and as a people, they decided that the automobile is going to make it too handy for them. They'll just be able to run around, go to town, just whatever. They won't stay home with their families or the kids will start running around, which, you know, that that's a legitimate, kind of a legitimate thing. And uh, so that's the basis of it. It wasn't really that they believe that the car itself is evil. They don't think technology itself is evil. It's just that you get tempted into many things that are not so good when you have it and when you have a car. That makes sense? It makes perfect sense. So it would basically be like a, a gateway to a lifestyle that maybe they didn't want to live. So they that, just... that that would be one way of looking at it on and maybe a gateway on another thing. It would they just the word I often heard was it was an influence. You know, it, it's an influence, wow. which could could lead to a gateway. It's a, influence would be a little bit further back yet, you know. And uh, and again, it was a it was a logical, rational, you know, they weren't asleep or nothing, they just decided that this technology that is the automobile and it's a massive thing you know they now look what they developed into today one of the most distinct cultures in the world you know there's not that many of them uh, less than half a million probably 350,000 or so that's all there is and for the, they have really? a tremendous impact on on outside culture for such a small group you know i think so is that the same then with the phone and electricity do they have, is, is, is it kind of the same mindset? You know, they. It, yeah, so all technology, phone, electricity is just simply that, uh, especially the phone. Uh, but the phone is also, the iPhone is now making inroads into the culture in many places, not all places. But uh, all ideas about uh, rejecting any kind of technology is not because the technology is evil, but just simply because it draws away from their family life. And so, you know what? It kind of makes sense. 
It, it does make sense, especially um, a culture that's so drawn to the family unit. Yeah. And, um, and also, clearly, they're huge followers of the Word of God. And mm -hmm. talk to me about just the religious side for a second about the Amish community. Well, the, the, the one criticism that I hear that, is, that has some validity is that because of their lifestyle and all the little rules and plain dress and so forth, that many of them depend on that instead of, you know, instead of Christ. Uh, as, as I was growing up, I always heard, heard it in the sermons, Jesus is the way, you know, I, it, I heard the gospel. I'm not saying I didn't, but it was always tied together a little bit with law. You know, we got to, we, we, we live this way and it's really hard, Autumn. It's really, really hard to break free from that culture. It's incredibly hard. So you, so let me just, I want to get into the second book here, but um, what is it like living in an Amish community where, I mean, you're not that old. I'm looking at you. It's not like, <laughs> oh, thank you. you're not like 90 years old. I'm in my fifties. Yeah. You're in your fifties. So I'm almost 40. Yeah. So it wasn't, I, it wasn't that long ago that you grew up. What was right. it like growing up, riding in the buggy, maybe going to the grocery store right. and seeing other people your age out and about what what does that do to a young young kid mentally well you know that's a good question and uh, the thing of it is that i've always said and i don't know i might have written it in the first book too but when you're raised in that culture that is the only world you know so that's normal you know so the horse and buggy to me was normal and the car was like wow that's some wild worldly thing and you know what you know i was raised on the farm grew up with uh, five brothers and five sisters while the older ones were you know they were pretty much adults when i was born but large family and you know we had you know we worked and we played and we were in the creek and in the woods barefoot stepping in nails you know all that stuff <laughs> and it just you know tough as a board and we grew up and and I, I most of my childhood I have extremely good memories of because it was a good you know it was a good solid country lifestyle it just was. I think probably now I mean looking at the way like yeah. my kids are glued to their devices, yeah. we have to you know say get off That's your phone um I miss some of course I, I did not grow up Amish yeah, but yeah, we did yeah. grow up like hey come in when 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 the sun goes down yeah. or when I call you if I call you twice you're in trouble so you better yeah. listen yeah. um we did grow up with that and it's it's a world that we have stepped so far away from now that I, I wish that we would go back there a little bit you didn't you don't realize how good it was well, I, I can, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and it's absolutely true. Um, technology, you know, for me, even I left uh, back in the late 80s, so we're looking at 30, probably a little over 30 years that I've actually, was the last time I left. And I look at my lifestyle now, and I'm pretty much, I'm English, you know, you're English, I'm English, which basically is their word for anybody that's not Amish, and that dresses like, you know, modern. And, uh, and I... Uh, yeah, and that's just the name they have. It's, it's not negative. It's just if you're not plain like they are, then you're an English person. I mean, just because you speak English or whatever. But I have, I mean, once I broke away and really, really, uh, you know, grasp what it is to walk free in Christ and also just in, in the, in the, in the world, I was, I mean, I have, once I really broke free, I have never, ever uh, looked back with any kind of, uh, with any kind of uh, thought that I would return. I've looked back to go visit. I've gone to visit. I've attended funerals. Weddings, they can't really invite you to because, you know, funeral you can go to, but a wedding, you know, they're kind of not allowed to. Kind of strange things like that way. But I have never, never been tempted to return, not to live. So, so let's talk about your second book then. Okay. I think that's a good segue into yes. Broken Rose. We just kind of went over... 
the first the first book, Growing Up Amish, but there was a time when you stepped away and um, that you talk a lot about your relationship with your father and the book. Yep. Tell me, um, you know, about when you realized, you said about 30 years ago, when you realized, hey, I, I, I'm going to sort of step away from this lifestyle. And why did you decide to do that? Well, that's kind of the resolution of the first book, which is Growing Up Amish. And that was my my search, you know, I was, a, I was in my teens. I was in my, my lower twenties and I was just, I would leave, come home. I joined the church. I dated a girl. I was engaged. I mean, this is all inside the Amish culture. I came and was within a hair's breadth of getting married. You know, I mean, think about that. That's a, that's just astounding to me, even looking back today. Uh, but basically once I grasped what the gospel really is, that it is not about rules necessarily. It's just about, you know, the gospel, loving people, loving Jesus, uh, spreading the good news. And, uh, and not, you know, and all that, all that once I just grabbed a hold of that, it was like, you know what, what I thought back then was it's okay to go and it's also okay to stay. So whatever choice you make is okay. And I chose to go. And I, I mean, I've never, ever looked back on that choice. You know? So you talk about this uh, relationship with your father when you went, can you tell us, uh, you talk about shunning, which mm -hmm. I think this is fascinating yeah. to, as the Amish community would call us English yeah. uh, people. What is, maybe you can do a myth buster here. What exactly is shunning and what does it look like? Okay, well, and, and again, there is no right answer for every ex-Amish person because in the more in the more conservative, you know, the more plain, the really, really plain, the very, very conservative people, their shunning is much harsher. And I come from like a modified, like a moderate, uh, moderate level of the Amish. And for us, for me, because I had joined the church, so once I left, obviously you're going to be excommunicated. So with that, you're cast out, you know. And um, and for me, it was never that I could not, like a, in the real playing groups, you're not allowed, they don't want you home. Your mom dies, they don't want you at the funeral. All, I mean, it's really, really harsh. Wow. But, but for me, it wasn't. I mean, I was, my younger brother and I, we kind of left around the same time. We'd go home for Christmas, you know, for a couple of days. We'd never stay real long, just, just a short visit, you know. And we were always welcome. Uh, Dad always had to give us a little admonition. You know, we think you should just come home and be Amish. You know, and we just you know it goes in one ear and out the other. My dad. Uh, but the big thing to him, to my father, was mom. And I, let me put another thing in: the mothers generally tend to 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 love their children and have softer hearts. Now, once in a while, there's a deviation from that. But for me, it was dad. You know, dad was a, was a, the law, the guy that stuck to the law, and mom was like, "Come home whenever you want." You know, <laughs> and um, and we would we would go home, and and uh, and what they did for me, my younger brother never joined, so he could eat with them. You know, if he didn't join the church, that's a big deal because because they can they can treat you a lot more freely. And uh, what they would do for me is just have a little table, a small card table or something, set it up uh, right beside the big one, just not quite touching it. The big thing for me, shunning, was they would not eat with me. You know, it seems strange, but but it's in the Bible that in the New Testament that you can't that you should not eat with such a person that leaves or or is in sin or whatever. And you know, in autumn, it never really. Uh, I didn't. I knew it was coming when I left, and I was expected it. it. It was honestly not that big a deal. I didn't want it, but it was there, and I just dealt with it. You know. So when you left, there was this excommunication, the shunning that took place. What did that do between the relationship, uh, you, you and your father's relationship? Well, at the beginning, what happened, uh, this was in the late 80s, and my, the Amish church where I had been a member excommunicated me, which they all do. But later, when I joined a, a Christian church, like a Mennonite church is where I went to start with, 
this community was really different in the fact that once I did that, they lifted my excommunication. So I'm not even technically, I'm not excommunicated today, which oh. is extremely rare because most of them do. But just to offset that, my father told me back in those years that he's going to shun me anyway because he thinks that's the right thing to do. And he did for 20, probably 25 years. And in the second book, Broken Rose, there's, there's a scene about halfway through where I went to visit mom and him. Mom had Alzheimer's. She was really sick. Went to visit them, and um, I, they would lived in a small, uh, what they call a daughter house, a grandpa house, at my older sister's farm. And um, the, that family, my sister's family, took care of them, you know, fed them, and so forth. And mom was ill, and uh, me and dad were sitting around. It was a Saturday afternoon, and my sister came over with a tray of food, small table there. She set it on the table. She said, uh, "Men, come and eat." And she turned around, went back home. I went and sat down, and I wasn't sure what he was going to do. And he came over to that table and sat down, and we ate. You know what? That was a powerful, powerful, powerful moment. It just was, you know, eating with your dad. That's a big deal. <laughs> well, especially just symbolically what that yes. means for, yes. you know, you and what, I mean, so you said it was 20 years since you. Was, he probably shunned me for 25 years. I never really counted all, but it was a good, it was a good long time, you know. And I remember talking to him and saying, dad, you don't have to, you know, I wanted the relationship. It was hard because he was one of these old Germanic, you know, they don't say a lot. You don't feel a lot. It's just, this is the way it is. And when, when it happened early on years ago that they, that I wasn't excommunicated anymore, I told him, Hey, you don't have to, you don't have to shun me. And he said, I'm going to, because it's the right thing to do, you know? And, and it wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't a brutal thing. You know, it wasn't like he was trying to hurt me or anything. It was just that he honestly thought it was the right thing to do. You know, I've never held it against him. It wasn't the best uh, situation for me. It wasn't the easiest, but it just was what it was, I guess. That's one of my sayings. It is what it is, you know. So you talk about, your, was your, did your brother mm -hmm. also? My younger, my younger brother, yeah. Okay, so was he shunned as well? He was never a member. And if you're never a member, then you're not excommunicated, and therefore you're not shunned. So how was he not a member if he was your brother? Well, he didn't never join. He never got baptized. Uh, he, he was a member of the Amish, but he was never a member of the church. You have to voluntarily join, you know, and, and, and they believe in adult baptism, not babies. And I, I joined and he never did. And therefore, his road was a lot simpler breaking away because there's no excommunication. So your dad would eat with him, just not with you? Yeah, yeah, he would. And again, you have to realize that nobody... It wasn't like I was, oh, I'm wounded because he wanted, it wasn't that way. We were home and you just, you just walked and you just, you know, you ate where they told you to and you ate what they gave you and you were grateful for it. And, you know, it, and mom always was, you know, come back and visit us again. And, and we would say, so we would stay two to three days and it wasn't a long, you know, cause if you stay too long, then that gets a little, gets a little tense, you know. Yeah, but a couple of days you can stay. That's like that in the in the English world too. There, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, but so that's that's the reason that happened with with my younger brother. His name is Nathan. He's in the book, and uh, in both books actually. And uh, so that's why he had less of a of a road to travel down. You know, down that road. Uh, but again, like I said. We know what's coming. We were born in the culture. It was no surprise. And I didn't, I didn't really necessarily think it was that harsh because I was just, I was look, I was, I figured it was going to happen, you know, so it, it wasn't a big deal to me. So, but there was a separation between you and your dad. Um, well, we were a, kind of estranged. Yeah. But, and, yeah. but the thing of it was, I wasn't really around because I had moved out of the area, moved to another state, you know, so it would just, there'd be a little bit of tension when I, when, just when he and I were together, but that wasn't that much. You know? So, so um, 
so why did you name uh, the book Broken Road? Oh, you know what? Books, uh, that, that book, the first book uh, was Growing Up Amish, second book, Broken Roads. Uh, I'd, re- I'd written a bunch of it. It took me nine years to come out with the second book, which is a long time I've learned in the, in the publishing world. In nine <laughs> years, you might as well just be a new author because nobody knows who you are, you know. But, uh, but Broken Roads, I kind of came up with it, and my publisher was Hachette is my publisher. Um, and, they, and I said, I'd like to use this. And we were just, you know, just, just throwing things around. And I said, Broken Roads is part of the title. You know, you guys can come up with a subtitle. That was the Broken Roads was kind of my idea, but they came up returning to my Amish father. So we kind of collaborated on that. My life has been, I mean, I cannot tell you, it has been so many roads that were rough. You know, they were broken. And it just seemed, it seemed like a fitting title. So um, talk to those in the, in the next, we just have a couple minutes left. Uh-huh. But I feel like maybe there is someone out there that is thinking of stepping away. Maybe they found the Lord in a different way. Um, and they're fighting. I mean, I don't know, you know, when people get saved, um, and different cultures and religions, you are shunned. You are asked, you know, not to come back. You can't come back, um, to, to, in, in the family, you are, you are shunned. It might not be called shunned, but it feels shunned. Um, I feel like you would, we would be able to give great encouragement to someone that is maybe about to travel that broken road. And this book would encourage them as well. Could you just encourage that heart that's listening? That's like, man, I'm about to step away. And he stepped away from the Amish. Yeah. Where does his faith come from? And what should, what can he do? How can he help? Me? Well, I mean, that's that's a really broad question. It's a good one, but each each person's journey is going to be, you know, going to have individuals, uh, individual details that mine didn't have, but but the, the underlying issues are usually the same. And I've kind of come out, um, if people read my writing and it, and it helps them, I'm very happy. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of advice except you just, you don't my like model in living, my motto in living is uh, trust God, uh, walk free and don't be afraid. And that's what I would tell people is just, you just have to keep walking. It's hard. I know it is. But if you're breaking free, if you found the Lord, uh, he will show you a way, you know, at some point he'll show you a way. And it, if it doesn't happen today, maybe it'll happen tomorrow. It doesn't have to all be right now. And you have to have patience and, uh, and again, walk free and don't be afraid. I mean, that, that's seriously my, my advice. That's perfect advice. What do you think? Um, what do you want people to get out of your book, Broken Roads? Uh, I would like them to know uh, that the, the gospel is the most critical thing, obviously, that Jesus is there and that, that salvation is there for the person that, that you know, opens himself or herself up to it. And Broken Roads is simply a story of, of a different, it's in a different setting with the Amish culture, but there have to be a lot of people that can identify a little bit with the father-son relationship. It was very hard, you know. And I would just like, I mean... I don't write to teach lessons. I just write to tell the story. You know, if there's a lesson in there, I trust my readers to find the lesson, you know, and you might get one thing, another reader might get another thing. And you know what? It's all good. The the gospel is a beautiful thing. Well, I think that's um, the most important thing. It um, is. When writing a book uh, to to make the gospel the center. (laughs) And I mean, the gospel was the center of the Bible. So we should should do uh, the exact same thing. One last thing, and I know you don't like giving advice, but I feel like you have a lot of advice to give. You came to a point where you um, forgave your father and you, um, you guys sort of overcame. 
Yeah. Uh, just the, that, that those years estranged. Um, what was that like? Well, the thing about that I want to kind of just correct you just mildly there is that you right. say I, for, I forgave my father. He also forgave me, you know, and for me is if I focus on my own flaws and work toward the relationship and don't worry about how wrong he is and just just keep walking. That's how, that's why it worked. That's why we eventually got together and uh, and it, the, the relationship was somewhat restored or I guess it was restored. He was older. You know, he was in his 90s when he died. And he didn't have the fire anymore, but um, but the relationship was there, and um, you know what? It was a beautiful thing. It just was. Well, uh, Ira, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving us some insight into the Amish community, and um, we just appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Autumn. I appreciate it as well. Thank you, and thank you to my listeners. I want you to go pick up this book. It's fascinating to me. There was actually a TV show, which I don't know how factual it was, about the Amish community several years ago that I, I started. I watched a little bit. But um, Ira's, Ira Radler's first book is called, um, uh, oh my goodness, Growing Up, almost said Returning to Amish, but that's not right. Growing Up Amish. And his second book, which is just released, is called Broken Roads. And it's just fascinating story of the reconciliation between him and his father. And um, man, I know that that is very relevant to people today. A lot of people are estranged from their parents and um, this this will be, bring you a lot of help. Go pick it up. Um, and you can catch me right back here tomorrow on the Autumn Miles Show. The Autumn Miles Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.